Hey guys, welcome to Bagging Forecast, episode number 375. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past weeks. Next is the list. The books that we break down after reading them on the week of August 15th, 2018. Uh... I had a huge brain fart in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> we don't actually break them down. We just talk about the books we're looking forward to. There's we no breakdown break, of those. We books. might break them down when we do yeah, the we'll uh, break them down. Back. There's there's some breaking down of the books hey, that you know we're what? looking forward to. Usually, on our main topic, we break something down. Now, yeah, <clears throat> like my yeah. voice. Wow. Um, weekly rotating main topic this week. We're going to be taking a look back in our great Marvel movie retrospective. And this is part five, where we're going to be breaking down our thoughts on Captain America, the first Avenger, as we make our way chronologically through all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, celebrating 10 years. Uh, Also, just announced yesterday, we didn't talk about this for news, uh, Marvel's going to be re-releasing all of uh, their 20 films in IMAX format. I don't know if you guys saw that. So it, it's going to be digitally reformatted for IMAX, or are they just going to like do a weird stretchy thing to them? I believe they're going to be digitally reformatting it. Um, a lot of the movies are already ready to go, uh, but it will be the first time that some movies like Thor, Incredible Hulk, I want to say Iron Man will be available in the format. Um, basically, it's going to be going for an entire week. I don't have the dates available. I just remembered it as we started talking about this. But it's pretty much going to be three movies a day uh, at select theaters around the world. And then with the last two days being kind of like a greatest hits where it's going to be some of the more recent stuff, like the big releases. And then the final day, Saturday, being like two movies that you can vote on online to see kind of in a double feature. See, there's not that many of the movies other than like Civil there's not that many action sequences where I'm like, oh man, I really wish they just expanded the whole screen, you know, and put this in IMAX. Uh, that that I would want to really go see. Like, I, I think the most of the fights are pretty small. You know what I mean? Like, uh, other than maybe Civil War and, and Avengers Infinity War. Uh, Age of Ultron, I'm just like, the fight scenes I'm just not interested in. Like the first Avengers movie, maybe that you would want to be, have more cinematic and big, but most of the time it's just one guy versus one guy, you know. It's like, like what do you do? What do you really want? What scenes do you really think would uh, be improved on an IMAX screen? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's not something for me. <clears throat> I mean, I'm going back rewatching them all, anyways. Oh yeah, from the, from the comfort of my own home. I've already paid the money. I don't have to go buy a ticket to go see it in IMAX. But I think it's kind of cool that they're doing this. Yeah, but as we start every episode, gentlemen, that is with a beer. And Paul, what are you drinking, buddy? I'm drinking a local beer from Ellicott Brewing Company, and this is their Oops All Berries uh, Kettle Sour Ale. I'm guessing it's named after the Captain Crunch cereal, Oops All Berries. Uh, this is brewed with blackberry, blueberry, and raspberry. Unfortunately, I don't get much berry out of it, but I think it's a very solid sour. Like, uh, it uh, is It is a very nice solid sour, and it has a little bit of a nice weediness to it, too. Yeah, but, it, it's got a fullness to it for the sour, and that's what I'm really enjoying. Um, because sometimes sours can come off really light and just like got a sour punch to it. This is like a delicious 
sour patch kid that has like removes most of the sugar from it it's like a non-added sugar sour patch kid variety and if this is what all sours were going to be i would be like yes please but i wish there was more like fruitiness to it it does need a little it it does need a little more fruit to it yeah but i'm happy with it It, you know it was elegant bill i don't think i paid all that much money for the four pack and they come in tall boy cans 12 or 12 pay, uh, 16 pint can or 16 ounce cans yeah for that price I'm I'm a happy boy at the checkout with it I'm a happy Christmas boy yeah Chris hey are you a happy Christmas boy with what you're drinking um I'm an on the fence Christmas boy I have to get a few more sips into this I'm drinking Victory Sour Monkey which is a sour take on their Golden Monkey uh, triple Golden Ale. Uh, sitting high at a 9.5% ABV. It's when you were talking about your beer with like that Sour Patch Kid, with, but with like the sweeter notes, like or the sugariness removed. Mm-hmm. I took a sip of mine and trying to think about that. It's this is very tart up front, but I'm kind of missing the the smoothness that you would get from something like the Golden Monkey. I might drink one of those after this just to kind of compare it. Or I'm an adult. I could pop open one right now and do like a side by side. Oh yeah, um, you can do. You can. I, I'm an adult. Like I, I can do yeah, that do if it. I want to. Um, it's not bad. I just, I need to keep going back to it to try to decide how I feel about it. Um, I'm not a huge fan of sours to begin with. It takes a good amount for me to be like, wow, boy, this is this is a great sour. I don't know if this is at that level. Sorry, I took a sip. Um, yeah, it's not bad. It's uh, brewed with Brettomyoses, so that it's more of like an actual like bacteria tart, not like a sweet kind of tart. It's interesting. I don't know, John. What do you got? I'm gonna find a gold monkey in my. Uh, I too. Uh, well, I guess I guess we're like uh, we're Goldilocks here. Paul like his. You were so so with yours, and I do not like mine. I am not a happy Christmas boy. I am drinking Boomerang. This is a collab between Two Roads Brewing and Industrial Arts, and this we is like both of those places. I How know. Can go wrong. Uh, because they brewed a New England IPA and they added hibiscus to it, and the hibiscus does nothing but destroy a New England IPA. Uh, the hibiscus takes away any juicy characteristics that a New England would have and replaces it with a semi-tart bitter, uh, almost like a tanniny tea, Paul. I'm going to save one of these for you because it is very tea-y. And then uh, it also takes away the lovely color you get with New England on a New England IPA. And instead of making it like a pinkish hue, it makes it a murky brown. So you're saying it's not a hit biscuit, but more of a limp biscuit. Yes, that's what I would say. My words exactly. Sorry, what was that beer called from Two Roads and Industrial? I missed it. Boomerang? Uh, Blue Meringue. Blue Meringue. Oh, like hibiscus. Yes. Wow, uh, that's hard to spell, Blue Meringue. Um, it's not, all in all, overall, it's not bad. If they had just called this a hibiscus IPA, I probably would have been more uh, accepting of it. But you put that, you know, those New England IPA, it puts definitely something on the books of what this should be. 
and the hibiscus to me kills everything about it. That's disappointing. Sorry. It's um, okay. But on the but plus I, side, while while you were talking about that, I did crack open a can of Golden Monkey uh, Victory's Belgian style triple with added spice, as it says on the can. Um, it's such a great beer, and then taking a sip of the Sour Monkey right after that, that tartness just overthrows all of that nice Belgian yeasty like spice that you get right at the beginning. Like it takes away all that wonderful farmhouse flavor. Um, just covers it up with like a pucker. Um, in comparison to the Gold Monkey, I say no. But on its own, it's not bad. Uh, the other thing too is, is you have for a six pack of Golden Monkey, it's an, a nine and a half percent sour. That is a it's a very good sour for twelve ninety nine. A lot of times when you're going to buy a sour, you're going to buy a single bottle, and it's going to be. Eighteen ninety nine, twenty four ninety nine. So for the price point and for the ABV punch you get, you're getting a deal with that beer. It's not bad. Um, so I'm looking up the price because I got this, well, both of these, in a 15 sampler pack from Victory that has the Sour Monkey, the Golden Monkey, Prima Pills, their Hot Devil IPA, and the Homegrown uh, Dry Hot Lager. And... So I'm just trying to see what I spent on it. Um, after tax and everything, I paid 20 bucks for a 15-pack that had three gold monkeys, three sour monkeys, and then uh, three of the other respective beers as well. Hmm. I, um, I, I do consider it worth the $20. So even as like a middling beer with the sour monkey, I love gold monkey. That's great. Hop Devil's fantastic. I had some of the homegrown dry hop lager last night as I was watching Captain America and I really enjoyed it. Um, I think 20 bucks is a good price for this pack. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's uh, 17 uh up here in New York. And I mean, with, with tax and uh, deposit probably comes close to 20 bucks, if not right on. So yeah, I, I always say it's a good pack, especially when you get a twelve ninety nine six pack within it. You know, like yeah. Both uh, Golden Monkey and Sour Monkey are expensive six packs that you get in that, and then you get nine other beers for for what uh, six bucks? You know, can't go wrong. Yeah, and they're obviously like Prima Pills. Not a big Pilsner fan, but I like I said to John before, I'll drink it at, like after I get to the bottom of the case. You know, I think six dollars is worth it for the other cans of the Hop Devil and Homegrown alone. So it's basically like I would have spent that for all those, and then it's like the premium pills is the price at the bottom of the cereal box. Yeah, but that'll take us into some news. And uh, what do we got, guys? Little movie bracket, Paul. We can go into the movie bracket. Let's go into the movie bracket. We're assuming because uh, right now we only have the estimates for the summer movie blockbuster bracket breakdown. Uh. Breaking it down. For for the Meg. Uh, It opened this weekend, and we missed last weekend, but we'll go backwards in time. The Meg opens with the expected uh, earning of $44.5 million. Unfortunately, it was for it. The Meg was against something that was more incredible, and that's Incredibles 2, which opened with $182.7 million, which basically will close out this whole right side of the bracket. 
because uh, that's the last movie that we were waiting on on this the right side of the bracket here. Uh, what else came out that we might have missed? Uh, um, Mission Impossible and also <laughs> Teen Titans Go came out. Uh, was Christopher Robin on the list? Christopher Robin did not make our cut. Okay. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout made $61.2 million its opening day. Teen Titans Go! to the movies. Uh, surprisingly uh, well-received, critically well-received movie. Made a good amount of money for what it is, which is a flash-animated drawn movie, which I can't imagine they spent all that much money on it. Uh, made $10.4 million, which uh, puts it right in the ranks of uh, more money than Upgrade got. Uh, right near the money for Super Troopers 2 <laughs> and uh, Scario 2 and also maybe Life of the Party. So not a bad showing from uh, Teen Titans Go. I liked and Teen Titans Go a lot. I, I do want to check this out and I think I'm going to be like a lot of people where I know this movie is going to be available on streaming and I think of all those movies that you listed, Paul, mm-hmm. Teen Titans Go is probably going to be the one that has the most legs under it. That like you're going to be seeing this movie everywhere for years to come. I, I don't right. think Life of the Party is going to have have the lifespan of this. So this is going to keep going. I'm wondering. Uh, I'm looking up the opening numbers for Lego Batman. So if people were thinking that this would do about Lego Batman numbers, they were wrong. Uh, Lego Batman made fifty three million dollars its opening weekend last year. So, and that wasn't even a summer release. That was a February release. But Mission Impossible would move on to face Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2, its, op- its first week of opening, uh, uh, basically doubled its opening numbers, and it made $269.4 million. I know I'm kind of rounding on the math. And Mission Impossible Fallout, 89.5. Still the top-grossing top uh, Mission Impossible movie so far. It's so, not great word of mouth like one of the women i work with doesn't go to the movies but that she she saw mission impossible fallout and she loved it i went with my dad it's opening weekend and we both really enjoyed it i i think th- uh, was it worth that- was it worth henry cavill's mustache that's the question yeah because it didn't ruin a bad movie <laughs> okay you can't ruin a bad movie like it's <laughs> but, already been ruined but somehow this it is, did. justice league was already not going anywhere it's like putting mayonnaise on a burger you weren't going to eat anyways. Like, it's fine. Like, I wasn't going to eat it. Like, really weird. I don't know what that means. Well, Paul doesn't like mayonnaise. Unlike me, who I'd prefer just mayonnaise on my burger, Paul doesn't. So if you put mayonnaise on my burger, I'd be like, hey, that's good, unless it gave me food poisoning two days ago. Then um, I wouldn't be happy. Exactly. See what mayonnaise does? Nothing good. The only good mayonnaise is a patty mayonnaise. Ask around. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so Incredibles 2 would move on. And from the top of the bracket, we were looking at uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom with $204.8 million after its first week. It was up against Deadpool 2, which made $164.7 million. So that means it would it went to a tight battle for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom versus Incredibles 2 after two weeks of opening, and that is at, uh, we're looking at Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom making $347.8 million, but Incredibles 2, the highest grossing animated movie of all time right now, 
made $394.2 million, beating... So The Incredibles beat the dinosaurs by almost a good $50 million. Uh, so Incredibles, Incredibles 2 was really, really good. It's just waiting there at the finals with a, with a pot of money registering, registering in at $475.4 million. Just waiting to see who it will face. Point-wise, uh, who do you think is going to win this one, Paul? Uh, you and I picked the same one, so... <laughs> So I think you or I will win, and it will be a hollow victory for me, seeing as I've never won. And if I win and it's a shared victory, it's <laughs> it's going to be a hollow. Oh, Paul, it's, it's Paul, totally you, scratched. Paul, you cause... grew up with uh, two brothers and a sister, so basically, <laughs> you should be used to this by now. Yeah. Because I think I uh, I haven't looked at like okay, I'm going to pull up John's copy right now. Deadpool. Oh, John, you and I both picked Deadpool? Deadpool did a lot World? of money. That was that was our one mistake there so far. Because I'm assuming Ant-Man's going to move on. Solo. Oh, no, we both picked... Oh, we picked Oceans and then Solo. Yeah, so, so far, the only mistake we made was uh, Deadpool. Wow. Uh, over Jurassic. Chris, what did you pick? You picked Jurassic World. Oh, Fallen Kingdom. You picked Mission Impossible 2. You picked Incredibles. Chris might win. It looks yeah. like Chris is... It, you know what? It always looks good from the top, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see when we get there. The only mistake you made was uh, picking Super Troopers over Oceans. Now, didn't I pick Solo to go further? You picked Solo to go was. versus Avengers, and that's right. And then Avengers winning. So it's going to be really okay. close between us. So like we'll have to crunch some numbers and... Really figure this and out. And when you say we'll have to crunch some numbers, you mean uh, that's yeah. going to be a thing you do like five minutes before? What's your, yeah, we actually What's, start recording. Like in the hour of like pre-talk, five minutes before we record, you'll start looking at everything. What's sad is it's a three-way tie right now because we <laughs> all just missed one. all pain or three-way. <laughs> yeah. So not only is it really sad that it's a shared victory, it's a shared non-victory because we all <laughs> lost and we all won. That's what it's looking like it's going to be, because we know Avengers Infinity War is going to just steamroll it with the Thanos gauntlet uh, over everything else. We're just we're just waiting for Happy Time Murders to arrive in theaters so it can be crushed by... Yes, because uh, that can be the upset. Ant-Man and the Wasp. It needs to make more than $75.8 million opening weekend, which uh, I don't yeah. think it's going to do. It, it won't. It's not going to do that. <laughs> it's not going to do those numbers. It might make... Teen Titans Go? I think it'll... I don't know if it'll make even Teen Titans Go money. I, it could do Super Troopers money, maybe. Oh, if it does Super Troopers money, that mo- that's more than Teen Titans Go. Oh, was it? Okay, sorry. Yeah. Super Troopers is 15.2. I'm looking at the bracket. That's, that's, that's how I know. Alright, what other news? I've been talking quite a bit. Uh, something that John brought up that kind of made me sad, but at the same time I'm completely understanding. I think that it should have happened sooner. Uh, Stanley no longer making appearances at comic book conventions or signings. Yes, let that man rest. He needs it. <laughs> he's, got like, so, he's got enough going on in his life. <laughs> he well, like, doesn't need that. He, he's been doing he's this for so long. Like, I feel 10 years ago when we saw Stanley at Fan Expo up in Toronto, um, it was a, a packed room. I think they had opened up two of their exhibition halls 
yeah. to just accommodate everyone. And it was Stan Lee sitting there on stage telling the stories that you've heard him tell before. But I was so happy just to be there in the room with him, hearing him say it. Like, if he had announced after that, like, okay, I'm done. No more of this. I'd be like, wow, like, you, you've earned this. And that was, like, ten years ago now. He, he, needs, he needs his rest. Well, the, the guy is a widower now. Like, he doesn't really ha- Like, what else is he going to be doing? I'm hoping that he gets a lot of fan mail and a lot of fan support just mailed to him, and maybe he'll do signings that way. Man, just, yeah, let him rest. Let him enjoy. Let him just hang out at movie studios and be like, is this one of my movies? (laughs) And it's like the Meg. It doesn't matter. Just let him do it. Let him go to a coffee shop and just just give him a donut when he orders a coffee. And he won't realize if he ordered it or not. It's fine. So you're saying take take advantage of the elderly. No, no, he no, he doesn't know he ordered that. Put that on his bill too. He's got more no, money than uh, that. Paul's, Paul's I said, saying give is basically just give him things, like shower just, him with with gifts. Give the him fan mail. It. Give him free donuts when he goes to a donut shop when he don't, orders a coffee. Don't steal his blood. Don't shoot people outside <laughs> of his house. Just, just be really nice to him. You know, be like Daredevil and help him cross the street. And. Maybe toxic waste gets spilt in your eyes and you become a superhero. But you took that you took that hit for Stan. Yeah. That that weighs the cosmic balance. Uh he, he shows up in Teen Titans Go because they're on like a movie set and he's like, Hey true believers, what do you think's gonna happen? And then someone comes up and is like, You're in a DC movie. I am. I gotta get out of here. And then he like scurries off and I, I was like, That sounded a lot like Stan Lee. And then he comes back again at the end. And then in the credits it says, and Stan Lee. I was like, holy crap. It was funny. I it liked it. It was Stan Lee. Yeah, I'm okay. I I would love to see him still appear in the Marvel movies, like make his little cameos. I I hope that's something that they can continue on with until they can't anymore. Uh, but just let the guy rest. Let him sleep. He's been a huckster his entire life. He, he can finally know he's hooked enough yeah it's funky flashman funky flashman i know that because of uh tom versus comics <laughs> uh I, th- I think another thing we need to talk about is um a lot of stars who take on these comic book roles uh are all having th- even sci-fi and you know star wars and everything like that are all having to leave social media be- and uh, turn off comments because of uh, just toxic fan. N- yeah, toxic t- fandom. That's the phrase for it, right? I guess so. Uh, I was going to call it stupid nerd rage. Hmm. Uh, but we had uh, we had, uh, what is it? Cassandra Kane, Batwoman cast with uh, Ruby Rose. And uh, only days after the announcement the actress turns off uh, comments and leaves so- some social media. And uh, the same with uh, Grant Guster, who plays the Flash. Who's Grant who's Gustin? Grant Gustin. Yeah. Sorry, I've been yeah. watching a lot of Psych. You were just ready to give him some Guster. Guster. Burton <laughs> Guster. Uh, one of my favorite characters of all time. I haven't watched a Psych movie yet. I want to. Uh, I'm, I'm rewatching <coughs> the entire series. Caitlin's never watched Psych. So oh, so good. We're in season five. Uh, where Where is it? Is it on Hulu? Is it on? It is on. It's free on Amazon Prime. Prime, okay. I got Prime. I should yeah. watch it. So we're, we're watching that. 
just to get ready for the movie. Um, but uh, uh, the Flash star also being body shamed for being uh, too thin in his new Flash costume. Uh, no one really saying like, oh, the new Flash costume, it's more comic book uh, authentic. It looks just like the suit in the comic books right now. Yeah. But more it, it of, looks like, like it was designed by uh, Francis Vanderpool. Like it, it looks like the Flash costume. Yeah, yeah. And Gustin's come out and he's like, "Hey, it's still a work in progress. Like this isn't the final one, and people are already coming out and saying it." But he's like, "I really like how it feels. Like I'm more comfortable in it. Like he's really excited about it, which makes me more excited about it because I'm think I'm the only one that's keeping up with the Flash now." Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed the last season, and I'm excited for season five. And, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. Like, uh, Ruby, uh, the girl that plays Rose on Star Wars, had to leave, like, social media. The woman, the girl that plays, the woman that plays Iris, like, she left as soon as she got hired. Social media, because everybody told her, like, nope, definitely don't be on any social media, because one... <laughs> When you can't you, be a you can't be a black iris because people will be insane. yeah because people yeah it was a race swa- a race switch so people are going to go lose their minds and they're going to lose their minds all over you so just step away. Uh, they actually had a panel or discussion about it at like one of the comic cons between her and another female actress and like how they dealt with it and they like yeah we know that the haters are out there but we also know there's fans and we know we would be fans of these characters we are playing now if we were kids watching the show and that's what keeps us going and I'm like yeah that's that's the way to be yeah do it for your younger self and that's what Grant Gustin came out and said he's like dude I never thought I was always scrawny I was always skinny I never felt like I would be able to play a superhero or be anything other than that gonky, lanky kid. And now I get to play the Flash, and I get to be at this crazy, cool, sciencey, nerdy superhero that I would have never expected to be on television. Like, so he's doing it for his younger self, and how cool is that? No? Yeah, and it, it's a good-looking costume. He, I don't know why he's being body-shamed, because when I looked at pictures of him in the costume, I didn't even think of him as being too too skinny because I looked at him and I'm like oh it's a good looking costume and then when I went back after John you had brought this up I was like oh he, he's just a thin guy like as someone else that's gone through their entire life as really skinny you can only do so much like I can eat a hamburger every single day and I just burn it right off like it's just how my metabolism and how my body works like it's not like I'm starving myself if you are hanging out with me there's like a 97% chance that I'm going to be eating something as you're standing <laughs> next to me. It happens. Uh, when I, when I heard about the body shaming, cause I looked at the costume and I was like, Oh yeah, it, you know, it looks like the flash costume. And then I heard the body shaming and went back and looked and I was like, are they making fun of his long neck? Like I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> figure it out. It's like, well, his neck does look long, but I think it's just the proportion of the suit. And he probably does have a long neck cause he's a skinny guy. I couldn't figure it out. Cause he just looked, how he's always looked on the show like he's the same size that he was like i don't know just just so stupid and well remember those... the whole backlash when uh gilgadot gilgadot got cast as wonder wonder woman and everybody's like well she doesn't have a big enough chest area to be wonder woman <laughs> like it's the same kind of bs it's like 
Just, just let them play the character. I just like, wish yeah, people they're good, then they're good. I'm not familiar with Ruby Rose, who's been cast as Batwoman in like the CW universe Batwoman role. Uh, but when I Googled her just to see who she was, I was like, okay, yeah, she she looks like she could be Batwoman. That's that's fine. She's in the Meg. That's another fact I didn't know. Cool. I I, I don't get she, the hate. I didn't know who she was either, but she, I I read that she was in Orange Is the New Black, and I'm like, oh, Kate, this character here is going to be Batwoman. And Kate's like, oh, that makes sense. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> all right, <laughs> approval. Hey, at least somebody knows about it, because I was like, oh, we're going to talk about this on the show. See, and I have never watched Orange Is the New Black. I've so. seen episodes of it, and I've enjoyed them. It's a well-done show, but I've never actually sat down to to watch it. Like it was something that Lexi would watch because she was a huge fan of that show. So when I, I don't know, like the third or the fourth season, whatever, like the last season was came out, like she was binging it. So I would see it when I would come home from work and stuff. And I was like, oh, cool. Like I will watch part of this episode, and I enjoyed it. I just don't know who she played or if she was even on. I think like, she was off that seen. season. I think she was introduced like the second season and then something happened the third season or something. Because I remember seeing her on it. I watched the first season with an ex-girlfriend and then like you said, uh, Chris, like when my wife would be watching an episode, I'd come in and sit and wait for her to finish the episode for then us to watch something together. And you'd catch characters here or there, you know. You didn't know exactly who they were or what they're doing, but um, yeah. I think she's also in one of the um, Fast and Furious movies too. Um, but yeah, she's she's had a the was one of a, the breakout actresses uh, from Orange Is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think of a way to segue that through, but someone who's a member of the old guard of acting will be making their return to a role that he. Or trade in the nineties. I don't. I know, but uh, we've got Patrick Stewart coming back to the Star Wars universe. Star Wars, Star Trek universe, uh, reprising his role of Captain Jean Luc Picard in a continuation of the Next Generation on CBS's streaming series. Was it all? All access. All access. Yes. Thank you. I don't have all access to this, um, but I think it's really cool that they have Patrick Stewart coming back to play one of the roles he's most known for uh, decades after it went off the air. Seems like a money grab for CBS All Access. Like, it's like, oh, we they were really touting Star Trek Discovery as the, like, killer app, the killer show. Let's get everybody on and subscribe to All Access with this show. And it didn't really work. I, I think so it's done... Now they're like, I think it's done well, though. Um... Someone I work with is a huge Star Trek fan. Like, that's his jam. And I asked him, like, oh, hey, you know, how is Discovery? And he he absolutely loved it. I've just always been... I I don't want to make this, like, Star Wars, Star Trek, but that's always how it devolves into... I've never been a huge Star Trek fan. Like, I enjoyed it growing up. I watched all of um, Next Generation. Deep Space Nine is kind of where I fell off. And then... Voyager, I only saw a couple episodes of. I saw a couple of Enterprise. That's kind of what I parted ways with the Star Trek universe at that point. Um, but this is definitely something that I would want to check out. 
yeah, and um, I mean, I've heard mixed things from Star Trek fans about Discovery, um, but I think the it's really going to be like they're going to reintroduce the character, and then four episodes later he'll appear again, and then a couple episodes again, like he'll appear. I don't think he's the main character on the new show. Um, at least for like was what I what I had read was it was more of him making appearance appearances as Captain Luke, uh, Captain Luke, Captain <laughs> Picard, <laughs> Luke Skywalker's on the on there now. I don't know, uh, but I think um, yeah, I don't know exactly where it's going to be, but I don't know. It's not going to get me. It's not going to get me to to pick it up. What if they brought back uh, the beard known as Jonathan Frakes to portray Riker again? Would that would that sweeten the deal for you? Well, I always just assume that he's always uh, he's never Jonathan Frakes. He's always uh, Riker. So and then, and then when he goes or to Xanatos, say, Xanatos. 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 Oh, there we go. Yep, Xanatos from Gargoyles. Yeah, I, I, I think this, I'm excited for the fact that just you know Picard's coming back, but then. That also opens me up to the thing where it's like, well, Will Wheaton's still around doing all sorts of nerdy things. Like, you know, they could bring back Wesley and we could see where, like, Wesley Crusher is in this uh, extended universe now. Tashiar is still around? Did she die in Next Generation? I don't remember. Well, her ha- her cloned Romulan self is still around? Like, there was a Romulan clone of her? See Miles, Chief Miles O'Brien, still just manning the teleport. Like thirty yeah, years yeah. later, like nobody came in to like take over for his break. So he's like, I'm still here. Like, <laughs> well, no, he's on Deep Space Nine. Was Him he? And Worf. Yeah, yeah. I know Worf. Him oh my god, he was manning the tele- teleporter on Deep Space Nine. Even though you're like, where are you to- teleporting to? And he didn't know. <laughs> oh my, I I might need to go back and research those episodes now. Right? No, you don't. Fine. <laughs> Just leave them where they lie, Chris. You'll be a happier person for it. Uh, on some other Star uh, Trek news, I remembered uh, this that I read. Uh, you have uh, Chris Pine and uh, Thor himself, uh, Hemsworth, uh, walking away from negotiations for Star Trek Four, the motion picture. Um, and nobody knows if they're going to be able to get them back. Uh, all the other actors have signed on, but Chris Pine was a holdout, and for some reason, uh, they're bringing back his dad, Chris Hemsworth, and uh, neither one of them want to be in the movie. All I know is that opening sequence turned Kit off of the mo- of the Star Trek movie, like of Chris Hemsworth like dying. The spoilers for the first five minutes of the yes, it happens at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Uh, Chris Helmsworth, like, basically going down with the ship. Uh, and Kate's like, this is so sad. Why are we watching this movie? It's so sad. And I'm like, it's better. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's that's, fine. It, that's what kind of sets up Kirk, like, chasing, it's very much like the Green Lantern, like, that's Hal Jordan. Like, he's always looking up to his dad, you know? His dad was a pilot, too. Mm-hmm. And his dad, you know, died fulfilling that role. So I, I can understand that, but I honestly completely forgot that uh, Chris Hemsworth was in the first movie until this came out. And I was like, why is he walking away from the the fourth one? Who w- was he supposed to be in it? And then it's like, oh yeah, 
I don't know. I just I, thought that was some interesting news. Um, it looks like, because I, I just Googled it, it looks like everyone else is still good to come back. Uh, Zoe Saldanada, Gregory Quinto, Carl Orban, Simon Pegg, John Cho. So it looks like they're still cool with it. Um, I, he he did a good job with the role. I haven't seen uh, Into Darkness or... What was the other one? It's not Insurrection. That's it's, uh, it's Fast and Furious. Took yeah, that, that, that one. Uh, so I don't know. What, oh, it's by the director that did, like the Tokyo. No, no, one. it's Star Trek: Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's been so long since I've seen Star Trek. I don't remember what Chris Pine really brought to the role besides the fact that it's like, oh, he's an actor filling in uh, Shatner's shoes. It it worked. I don't know if it's something that can't be recast or it could be write him out, just like have someone else in the role. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek Beyond. Beyond. Beyond the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what Still haven't seen it either. Into Darkness I saw, but yeah, Chris Pine. In- Into Darkness wasn't great. Uh, Beyond was actually good. It was more action-packed. And it was written by Simon Pegg. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, how about this fourth one? Is this written by Simon Pegg? I don't know. Then I don't really care if we get a fourth one because, like, <laughs> you, you honestly, didn't care about the third one. <laughs> I didn't care. I'm, exactly. sure that, I'm sure there's people clamoring for it, though. It's just, it's not, not what I need to see. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe get around to it eventually after I see all of the other Fast and the Furious movies because I've seen two of them. Maybe three. I don't even remember now. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not down with a uh, steel carring fan. Uh, what other news did we have? Was that about it? I, I think we can saddle up and head into the next uh, the next section. What's the next section, John? Uh, that would be when we break down the books that we are looking forward to coming out August fifteenth, two thousand eighteen. Mm. But do we have another? Does anybody have another beer they want to talk about? Uh, I, I'm just drinking my gold monkey now because I finished the. Yeah, the you did. You, you it, did two it, two in a row. Yeah, it's just. In next to each other, not really in a row, but Gold Monkey is just such a great beer. Like drinking this now, like I'm, I'm drinking it to savor it because it's just such a great, like farmhouse flavor jumping out of it. Um, and that Sour Monkey just didn't have it at all. Talking about great flavors, just jumping out of that, out of it. Uh, I'm drinking Big Black Voodoo Daddy from Voodoo Brewing, and it's an imperial stout. Uh, I had to ease myself into this. This is a 12% alcohol by volume, unfiltered, 12-ounce stout from a little brewery from Erie, PA. And, or, well, outside of Erie, PA, Meadsville. But this is a delicious beer. Uh, We've had it on the show before with the Barrel Age series. Uh, On its own, it's still a really good beer. Imperial Stout. I would put this up with uh, we used to love the Russian Imperial Stout from uh, Outer Creek. Creek. Yeah, that Outer Creek one was fantastic. This is good. It's not super smoky, but it does have that. It just has those layers of flavor all working together without having any one of them being overpowering. You get some smoky, you get some coffee, you get some chocolate, and they're all kind of just mellowed 
intertwined working together and it's just man it's good john i have two bottles left and you and me man it's you and me hey we'll have to i'll have to bring over some of the super aged uh, barrel aged stuff but but i am drinking from a new local brewery pressure drop i am drinking their sticky trees this is a six and a half percent ipa this is your West Coast style IPA. This is a sweet malt IPA. Uh, mm-hmm. On the bottom of the can, it says "dank dank." Uh, it's from six ten, um, so it's so it's almost uh, it's almost two months old, and um, it's a sweet malt with a very thin body thin on the middle to back of the tongue and uh i'm not loving it uh i picked it up because uh it's the first time they are canning and releasing into stores they've done a couple can releases of this at their breweries and people have gone crazy for it uh it's not bad but it's not great i've had it on draft out and i really do enjoy it where i do get a a really good mouthfeel yeah, you it gave it like, West a, Coast. like a three and a quarter star. Yeah, that's that's good for me. No, it's Paul, a, you give everything <laughs> five stars. We've talked about this, Paul, on the show. You overrate things. So if it's... Uh, uh, if you gave it... I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Uh, look it up. Keep keep talking, Paul. But I enjoyed it when I had it out at the uh, axe-throwing place that I went to. Like... It was a decent, a really good beer. Like, it had that, it has those tendrils of sweetness, like, when you, uh, you know, tip back the glass and then you put it down, how it kind of seeps down the glass. So, yeah, you like, know, it, it was a little sweeter. I'm sorry, what's that, Chris? So, it recollects at the bottom yeah. of the glass. So, it's just, so I, as I was drinking it, I appreciated it more for what it was than what I was going in for, which was, a, you know, just a IPA, but this is a multi IPA that really was a lot of fun to drink when I had it. So I think on draft, it, it, it's a lot better than in the cans because I did get a lot of middle of the range kind of uh, flavors and everything from it. So it didn't just ghost out at me at the end. That's when the hot bitterness came out. From what I remember, this is a while ago, but. I back, liked it. It was back in March, Paul. It's back in March, and I gave it 3.75, right below a 4. I don't know if I gave it a 4. I don't know the number no, you, I gave it. You gave it a 3.5. 3.5. Still decent beer. It's decent. It's good. It's decent. It's good. It, it, is, it, isn't, it isn't bad. Um, I would probably say maybe on draft it is better, that it does happen. I'm not... I just can't say I'm loving it. It's not... Uh, it's not one of the styles I go for anymore, the West Coast. But every once in a while, I'll have a West Coast that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really good. Um, and uh, it's okay. Well, you know what I hope's better than okay? What's that? What? The, the list? The list. The comic books we're most looking forward to coming out this week. August 15th, 2018. I can promise a book that may or may not be okay. <laughs> it, 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 pro- it, probably, it probably won't fall. It probably won't be good, but it might be okay. 
And this is the exercise anniversary issue, costing me $5 from DC Comic Books, DC Universe. Uh, this is Batgirl, issue number 25. Uh, it's written by Marguerite Bennett, uh, Meg Reed Scott, and uh, Paul Dini, where it's going to be an oversized issue where they wrap up the storyline that Marguerite Bennett was doing, introducing us into what Meg Reed Scott will be doing in the news and uh the issues following plus a backup uh story from paul dini and i see paul dini on a bat comic and i'm like yeah i kind of want to read that because i just love the animated series that much uh so that's what really uh cinched this as my pick uh that paul dini is doing a backup issue and it's of harley quinn who he co-created so Maybe it's the Harley Quinn I actually enjoy and not the Harley Quinn we currently get. You guys disagree. It probably won't be the Harley Quinn that I like. It's... No, I feel like we haven't had the Harley Quinn that you like in a while. Yeah. You, you keep trying, though. I do. I don't like Hot Pants Harley. I like old jester Harley Quinn with a big headdress thing. You liked Harley the um, animated series, <laughs> the animated series, but also you were uh, steadily picking up the um, oh the, the uh, Jimmy Palmiotti Metacon. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I was going to say, you know, the husband and wife team. Uh, what are they? Uh, those Metaconder and the yeah. Jimmy Palmiotti. Yeah, I don't know if they're married. I think they are, or maybe they're yeah. you know they're just forever just cohabitating. Partners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, all I know is they're. If you follow them on Instagram, they're always taking pictures together, and you know, I you know, Jimmy found me. I was like, I love waking up with this woman, and it shows they're all like bedhead and stuff, and I don't know. But anyways, uh, I'm looking forward to a book. Uh, I'm actually going back and picking up a trade that came out back in 2016 because there wasn't many books that interested me this week coming out. Uh, but I'm picking up Monstrous Volume 1. This book uh, has been doing really well. Um, it is won, I think, four different um, Eisner Awards this year alone, which actually kind of interested me. Uh, I think a couple years ago, Chris pointed out, like, hey, a lot of these books winning, we're not checking out. We should start doing that because we're obviously missing something. Uh, so this is one of those moments where I'm going to go check out a book that uh, I've uh, missed out on. Well, thank you uh, for, for listening to me and giving my argument credence. Because hey, so I, have, I haven't done that. I haven't followed up with any of those books. Uh, you have uh, Tom King's uh, Vision. Oh, that's true. Was, yeah, was one really, of those. We really like that. And when I say yeah. we, I mean you and I. <laughs> Uh, but this is one where it takes place uh, early 1900s in a steampunk Asia where a young girl has a psychic link to a monster. And she is, uh, I guess, struggling through this uh, war-torn Asia. Uh, that was kind of what is uh, in the description of the book. Uh, and I'm interested in checking it out. Whether we read it maybe for a uh, John's pick for uh, trade and policy or not. Uh, it's a book I'll be picking up. It is on sale right now. Uh, first volume for like uh, four or five ninety nine on Comixology. Uh, it, was this the inspiration for the Anne Hathaway movie, where she had the psychic link with the like no, huge Godzilla no, monster? No, no, 
Not at no. all. Oh. No. Because like, it sounds interesting. And when you were talking about it, it made me think about Pacific Rim because I finally watched um, Uprising. And I meant to text you about it. Did you watch that one? No. Okay. Uh, it was $5 on the uh, Microsoft like network playlist, whatever they call it on Xbox. So I was like, okay. The student marketplace. Yeah, the student marketplace. So I was like, okay, five bucks for this movie that I want to see when it came out. Um, it's not great. It's not terrible, but it made me wish they had kind of expanded this universe into like a TV series almost, or like a Netflix series or something on Amazon. Because I feel like they they had a good idea where they were kind of introducing the world 10 years later there's a new pilot uh, new family of pilots coming out for the Jaegers even though there hasn't been any kind of kaiju sightings in a while and I, I think it could have gone someplace great if they hadn't tried to cram everything into into two hours if they had gone like Battlestar Galactica with it where there's like this looming threat that they know exists but they're just trying to track down where it's coming from I think it would have been fantastic because I love this universe and I wanted more from it, but then trying to cram in like six new pilots that I'm supposed to care about on the top of like reintroducing old characters. It just, it didn't work. I'm, I'm okay with paying $5 for it, but it, it kind of made me sad. Uh, I just had to pay two ninety nine to watch Captain America last night. So, <laughs> so maybe, maybe an extra, we'll extra $2 on. for Pacific Rim. <laughs> Not go, not go. <laughs> yeah, I'll wait till it's uh, somewhere free to stream. Yeah, I mean, five dollars to free is, I think, the the best price for it, and that's sad because I really enjoyed the first Pacific Rim. Like, I've watched that movie numerous times now on DVD. But anyway, we're not talking about movies; we're talking about comic books. Uh, yeah, Chris, what book are you getting? A book I'm looking forward to is actually something that came out last week. We just didn't have a chance to record now, so I will be picking it up now. I might be subjecting you guys to reading this for the August look back. I don't know, because it's something spinning out of Neil Gaiman's The Sandman Universe, uh, number one. And this is a special one-shot issue that's going to be introducing four miniseries uh, telling this tale about... Daniel, the current incarnation of Dream, who was taken over after the previous one, Morpheus, uh, passed. And just how he's abandoned his post, and it's then uh, the repercussions shattering through the universe, the dreaming, the world as we know it. Um, something I'm interested in. I've always loved the Sandman. I'm glad we're getting more Sandman-related stories. Uh four miniseries coming out of it, something else focused on Timothy Hunter, who you may know as Harry Potter before Harry Potter existed. Um, it's the boy who is destined to become the world's greatest magician. Also, it's savior or its greatest villain. Villain, who knows? Um, a House of Whispers book, which the House of Books have always been kind of anthology titles where each book is something a little bit different. Issue to issue is going to be kind of like a shifting story. A new Lucifer book, which I haven't read the second Lucifer title that's come out since the original one did. Um, I'll be picking up this one. And then there's also going to be a book about the Dreaming, which is the realm that the Sandman inhabits with his 
kind of cast of characters uh, telling the story about its degradation over time. Uh, story of this one by Neil Gaiman. He's not actually writing this for any of the spinoff books. He's kind of just the executive producer. But each section of this written by a different writer. Uh, you have Dan Waters, Kent Howard, Simon Spurrier, and Nalo Hopkinson. I'm not familiar with any of these writers at all. Uh, but you know what? I, I love me some Sandman. I love me some big, beefy comic books. It's only five bucks, so I, I think that's a good price point for me to kind of jump back into a realm of comics that I've loved for, what, the 20 years that I've been rereading comic books now? Mm-hmm. I'm done. Someone, yeah. someone else can jump in. 20 years. I tried uh, Sandman, and I just couldn't get into it, so... It's it's one of those books that I know I should try to give it a little bit more because I think I'm at the turning point where it turns from horror to that actually really what Sandman is. Yeah. But I have no interest in it, which we've kind of talked about. Yeah. As an episode idea. So once it turns that quarter from horror into the more fantasy stuff, it becomes such a a bigger book that that's really where like when I go through and do my almost annual uh, Sandman rereads, I kind of just flip through like the first three trades. And then once you get into like dream country, that's where it really takes off. <clears throat> not, not dream country. Sorry. Like brief lives. I think it's called. That's where I started to drop from it. Cause I liked it a little more as the horror book. I still enjoyed the fantasy, but I was binge reading them and then just got to a point where I burnt myself out on the books and then just never picked them up to reread them. I did the same thing with um, Fables. Mm-hmm. I binge read, read, you know, six, seven trades, like, in a row, and then was just like, I need a break, and then never went back to it. I, uh, I'm i interested in this. I'm interested in maybe picking and choosing which miniseries I want to read out of it. The other thing I wanted to ask you, Chris, was did you finish the Neil Gaiman... Um, and then uh, the artist with uh, oh, J.H. Uh, Wil- J. J. Wilms. Uh, yeah, it was the... Oh my gosh, why am I blanking out on it? it? took like three years for it to finish, right? Yeah, it took a while. It had been delayed and... Sandman... That's, that's when you spilled your cat spilled a beer on the hard copy? <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Um, I'm blanking out on the name, but I know what it is. What's it called in a musical where they have the musical swell at the beginning that has the notes and hints of everything that's coming? I can just Google this. I have the... Crescendo. No, not Crescendo. It's the when you sit at the mu- inside the musical and before the musical actually starts, yeah. they play all the themes. Uh, the Overture. Yes, thank you. Overture. Um, yes, I'm an Overture. I, I finished it. I absolutely loved it. Because it literally leads and builds up to the moment where Sandman number one starts. And it took right up until like 10 pages before that where I was like, holy crap, this is where they're going. This is where they're going. And then as soon as it got to that point, I was like, oh my god, I love Sandman. Um, it's It was really good. But again, like hey, you, I-, I think you need to be in that Sandman universe to to read it and get into it. I don't think that could be your first Sandman book that you pick up and have you uh, want to read more. Chris, 
great clue on the thousand dollar pyramid or hundred thousand dollar pyramid, whatever it's called. So with the musical <laughs> introduction for Overture. And it, at, you, at the time, like it did make sense. Like it was just called Overture. So I was like, okay, Overture. But then as I hit the like 10 pages before the end, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is setting the tone for everything that you will have read in the rest of the Sandman books that came out in the eighties. Like this is, this is the overture. It, it all makes sense. And that's, that's the brilliance of Neil Gaiman. Is there anything more dramatic than the overture? Maybe a dramatic reading. (laughs) And now a dramatic reading from the Bagden broadcast of DC Beach Blanket Bad Guys Summer Special, <laughs> issue number one. You turned into such a Weasley kid, like, reading that. Page 19, panel 5. I'm just doing what Superman would do. And that was a dramatic reading from DC Beach Blanket Bad Guys Summer Special, number one. Terrible name for a book, and I feel like I read that guy way too like gruff for what he's drawn. But I just didn't know how to get across the fact that he was like a that, trucker. He's a handsome truck driver. And he, I, I couldn't do the trucker voice for him because that that voice doesn't exist anymore. Unfortunately, uh, the panel I, when I copied and pasted, it, he has a Superman tattoo, and the whole issue is that Lex Luthor is broken down and needs a tire change, and it's like three a hundred and like like 15 degrees out and he's a um, hundred miles from anywhere. And this guy pulls over and Lex is just pissed that he, this guy has a Superman tattoo. He's like, why, why that tattoo? And the guy's like, I don't know. just seems like he does the right thing. Kind of inspires me to do the right thing. So that's fun. It's, it was a fun, fun little mini, mini uh, issue there. Uh, so after uh, after we do dramatic reading, we usually have another beer review. Does anyone have anything they want to talk about? Uh, I do. Okay, go ahead. I have I have one I can talk about, even though I'm still drinking my golden monkey. Uh, I am drinking uh, from Springdale. This is uh, Springdale by Jack's Abbey Brewery. I am drinking there, but I digress. This is a Indian pale ale. It is six uh, percent. Sixteen ounce can, and it is quite delicious. So you should drink um, this instead of the other two beers that you had. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is a really nice summer IPA. Uh, it's a little more in that West Coastian vibe, but it has this nice like um, butteriness to it with the mouthfeel that just really makes this beer deliver for me. Um, it still has a nice little multi character. Character, it's got that sweet, but this buttery mouthfeel is what really makes me enjoy this beer. Uh, it's a nice, it's a nice beer. I, I really like it. And what's so, this called? But I digress. But I digress. Gotcha. Um, I honestly, besides like the the ham beers, I I really liked everything that I've had from Jack's Abbey. Well, uh, well, this is part. This is a side project from Jack's Abbey. It's a secondary brewery called Springdale that brew other beers. So they'll brew all the IPAs. They're brewing Imperial Stouts and uh, you know Belgian style uh, wits with coriander, and 
they're get they're not held to the logger standard that uh, Jack's Abbey is. Sounds interesting. Uh, and even though I might not like them, those what, what was like ham in the water? What was it called? <laughs> it's something like that. It's, Come on, man. It was the pork it's, beer. It, it, yeah, it was what it said it was. It tasted like you know smork smork. <laughs> Smoked pork. It it fulfilled the promise. I just it, it fulfilled the prophecy. It's something that you share with three other people and not just drink by yourself. <laughs> Nobody's ever saying like, you know what? Had a long day at work. I'm gonna sit down and drink this pig beer. Like it just doesn't happen. Um, but something that I did sit down and drink the other day after I got home from work was Duclaw Brewing Company's Colossus, and this is a high gravity hybrid. And this is a limited edition beer. They've only brewed it three times before. Um, they have brewed it in sorry, again, uh, 2006, 2011, and 2014. Uh, I really enjoy this beer. It was $10 for just a regular, what, like 12-ounce bottle? How much comes in a bottle? John, do you know? What's that? How much beer comes in a regular Regular bottles at 12 ounces? or 12, 12 ounces. Okay. Uh, $10 for a 12-ounce bottle. Uh, big thing about this beer, though, is it's called Colossus because it sits high at 20% ABV. This is the only beer that I've ever bought that it actually says on the label, this is a massive beer we recommend sharing with a friend. Um, it gives you a lot of information. It tells you the proper glass to drink it out of, which is like a a tulip style, uh, the right temperature between 45 and 50 degrees, uh, 54 IBUs, 36 Play-Doh, which John, I haven't heard that before. Do you know what uh, yeah, Play-Doh it's, is? It's somewhere like in the kind of the gravity, I believe. Okay. <clears throat> Cause I, it's not straw. Straw is the only other like beer marking system that I've heard before, uh, besides Play-Doh. Um, but based on the brewing of this, it can range anywhere from 17.3% to 21%, they know. Uh, so this is definitely a big boy. I had gotten home from work. I was going to have this while I was just kind of unwinding playing video games. And I was a little bit worried because I had to go back to work at like 8 o'clock in the morning the next day. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to get too tore up off this. But I actually just wound up sipping it over the next two and a half hours. I had no problems with this. I didn't even shut down being like, okay, well, I'm a little woozy. Um, it definitely was a big boy, very boozy on the back end of it, but it had a really nice, like warm apple cider taste right up front. It's been so long since I've had the, uh, what was the voodoo that was aged in the apple brandy barrels? Oh, that was the, that or Grand the uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the one you're talking about. Peppy, what was the Pappy Van Winkle one? Pappy Van Winkle. Which we also had the Big Black Voodoo, Voodoo Daddy okay. aged in the apple brandy. Okay, because oh. it, it wasn't that one then. I just, I remembered the Pappy Van Winkle name. Um, but it was, you know, a couple of years ex post facto. It was very reminiscent of that. Just that nice apple cider with like a big boozy aftertaste to it. I really enjoyed it. $10 for one bottle, I I don't think I would pick it up again just based off the price point. But if I could get like a 
big bomber size bottle of it for $20 and then share that with a couple people, sign me up. Like that's something that I would want to bring to like Thanksgiving or Christmas and just like share with the table because it was fantastic. Um, I hadn't had classes before this, but it's definitely something that if they brew it again in another two or three years, I would, I would pick up just in like retrospect being like, wow, this beer was great. I can't wait to have it again. Um, and the fact that I got like two and a half hours of drinking out of a $10, $10 bottle, uh, I think my ratio of time drinking spent to enjoyment it's it's pretty well balanced. Nice. Uh, the Play-Doh uh, measures how much sugar uh, came out of the malts in the wort. Okay, so this was pretty sweet. Um, is thirty six a lot on uh, that scale? Yeah, it would be. It'd it... be what you'd you know because you add sugars and that causes uh, you can add sugar, but also like the malted barley is gonna put out sugars and then the yeast eats those sugars and they poop out alcohol. So the more sugars, the higher the ABV. So yeah, very sweet, but that fits right into like the, and that's, I mean, if you remember when we used to drink those high gravity lagers for a laugh, they always had that sweet, appley, mealy apple kind of flavor. So I can understand it having, (laughs) having those apple flavors to it. Nice. Paul, do you, uh, you have anything else you're drinking or anything you wanted to talk about? No, I do have a Barrel Runner, and I had one a couple, week, uh, like a week ago or maybe even two weeks ago. But uh, I'm going to save that okay. because I'm still sipping on this big black voodoo daddy, and I'm <laughs> feeling a little Yeah, That's why it's so. like you're going to have a voodoo daddy and then a, a, and then a 13. And then a Barrel Runner. Um, well, Paul, are you going to have the, your Barrel Runner... Next time we record, because I will go buy another. Yeah, let's plan. Let's plan gladly. for Barrel Runner the next. <laughs> Maybe, record. yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, and this is the founders uh, Mosaic IPA that's been aged in rum barrels. So I have it no is issues delicious. going to buy more of that. Spoilers uh, for Chris has already drank two four packs. Ooh. Yeah, I got through one bottle of a four pack, and it is delicious. And I'm like, I should hold off on. The but then, but then, when are you going to drink it? It's you know. Because I got those dank ones in my basement, and I'm like, man, they're almost a year old. When am I going to drink those? Just drink them. Yeah, just go for it. I feel like dank one probably won't hold up too long. Because even KBS, like, after two years, like, yeah. it starts to lose everything. Yeah, I think everything. next... We got your... We got your October... Yeah, I don't want to get blackout next drunk again. <laughs> that... Cause... Why not? It's a, it's a tradition. Uh, it's a tradition. I'm fine with canceling. I'm not. I'm not going to do that one again. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a tradition for us to do. Every drinking, time. and I'm drinking a. Oh wait. No, it's it's uh, like looking back at the Marvel Cinematic Universe's movies. Hey, it's uh, a Marvel movie retrospective. Great Marvel movie retrospective because oh. I named this when they, uh, Disney was closing the great movie ride at Hollywood Studios. Um, but yeah, this is the fifth part of this, and we are going through rewatching and discussing all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films uh, chronologically, kind of 
retrospectively, as we now know where everything's going to be going, because we've been getting these movies for 10 years. We're currently sitting at 20 Marvel films, uh, which is astounding. Uh, but part five, we're taking our look at the first Captain America movie, which was known as the first Avenger. And I remember that being big news when they had announced that it wasn't just going to be Captain America. The title was going to be Captain America, colon, the first Avenger, because that sent everyone into an uproar. Where it was like, whoa, we are going to get an Avengers movie, even though we, I think we had already known that because Avengers was already on the docket. We did, but I think the movie going audience at large didn't. And also, because Thor, Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man, and even Iron Man 2, have already come out, and they did not have any kind of subtitle. Yeah. No colon, anything. The closest thing they had was the two after Iron Man, and Iron Man 2. Right. Uh, a lot of people were thinking, oh, this is for the international market, so that way we're not calling this Captain America everywhere in the world. But that didn't even hold true, because only three countries had Captain America re- uh, removed from the movie title. And that was Russia, Ukraine, and South Korea. Why, why South three. Korea? South Korea is the one that likes America. We give them video games to play. Uh, because they don't like this uh, fact that we're still stationed there, militarily-wise. Like, we have standing military military bases in South Korea still. So it was a kind of a political move there. Uh, also, there was in Ukraine and in uh, Russia, there's no name recognition of Captain America. Like, the Cold War started, and guess what wasn't getting imported anymore into Russia and Ukraine? American comics. So, during the 1950s, nobody was in Russia and Ukraine were reading Captain America. Uh, this is actually a movie that made over $190 million worldwide in the foreign box office. And it was not in China. Wow. It did not make a Chinese release. Uh, back then, in 2011, China was only allowing 20 or 22 non-Chinese movies to be opened up in theaters. And this was right before the... Well, right during the big boost of the Chinese blockbuster. Like... After like during 2010 to 2013, uh, China's box office opened up to become almost a four billion dollar movie uh, uh, revenue creating empire. So that, well, that this kind of was, falls in place with like some of the other movies that we've talked about, even for Bracket Buster, where it's like, no, this movie opened in China, and holy cow, now it's made money worldwide. Yeah. Um, I, we didn't talk about this in We Can Geek or even for We Can Geek. But did you guys see where Donnie Yen, the actor who played uh, Shirt Imwe in Star Wars Rogue One, was like, no, it's not a big surprise that Solo didn't do good in China because they have no affinity for these characters. They didn't grow up watching these movies for the past 40 years. Like, Star Wars is new to them. Well, Solo wasn't called Solo a Star Wars story in China. It was called Space Ranger. I would not go see that movie. Well, imagine I said it in Chinese. Maybe, you know, maybe you would go see it then. I don't know, maybe. I don't know how to say Space Ranger. But Space Ranger just, it doesn't sound sound great. But then again, like, I can kind of understand that because I've grown up watching Star Wars movies. I know and love Han Solo because I spent 
all of my 35 years on this earth being like, wow, Han Solo is pretty cool. Um, but no, I, I think that's very interesting to note that, yeah, like Captain America, just it didn't even hit that. So $190 million, like now, if Captain America had opened over there, probably would have been crazy. Captain America Winter Soldier opened up in China and made $93 million, just in China alone. Oh, not bad. So, so, you know, by the time the next movie comes out, these Marvel movies have taken over the whole world. They're like, ah, we, we're only going to let 30 American movies in. No. Well, we got to have Captain America, and it does well. Like, it's... It's one of those things, but I just wanted to highlight that before we even start talking about it because I'm kind of more the numbers guy no, when it comes to movies. I, I'm glad you brought that table uh, to the table because that's a really interesting fact. Because I was I was just wondering like what else it was called, but I didn't see any kind of uh, looking up the old news reports. Uh, they have the old the other like language titles, but they it doesn't translate. Well, like, it's all First Avenger, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, First Protector, or Original Protector. So I'm like, no, Google Translate, you're doing me a disservice right now. Like, this isn't working. Uh, those names kind of make sense. Like, you know, because he was the first superhero that we would have had. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's cool. You know. uh, this 2011 movie, though, you mentioned it came out. 2011, uh, directed by Joe Johnston. And if that name sounds familiar at all, it's probably because you grew up watching his movies. Um, he's also directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, The Rocketeer, yep. uh, episodes of <laughs> Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, the live action parts of Ooh. The Page Master, the, <laughs> the uh, what's his name? Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. I was going to say Kevin. Kevin! Uh, Kevin from Home Alone. Uh, the, the Macaulay Culkin movie where he gets lost in books. Patrick, books Patrick Stewart in that uh, movie as well. Also did Whoopi Goldberg too. <laughs> Jumanji. Uh, and then it starts to fall off because he did Jurassic Park 3, Hidalgo, The Wolfman. Hidalgo is a good Adventure. movie. It's one of your mother's um, favorite movies. My mom just loves anything that, uh, what's his name's in though? Aragorn. Uh, Bing, uh, Vigo Mortis. Yes, Vigo. No pictures, no pictures. Uh, but also announced recently, he will be doing the Chronicles of Narnia, the Silver Chair movie. Uh, what? Yeah, because apparently they're still still going to be trying to to make those a thing. Uh, but then also coming out at Christmas time, Disney's The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Um, I think what's kind of most noteworthy when you consider Joe Johnson and Captain America is the fact that this is the dude that did The Rocketeer, possibly the best period piece movie of American <laughs> cinema history. What a dish. It's, it's so good. I love The Rocketeer. Even though I haven't seen it. Blu-ray. It's so good. It is. It holds up. I haven't seen it Man. since I was a kid. but I That's right, everybody. Movie. Paul says it holds up. So I, you know that's true. <laughs> The swelling musical score in it just gets you right into the feels, and you're just like, yes! Put some bubble gum over that jetpack. It'll hold up. <laughs> It'll be fine. And go out there and get them. Uh, we get to Stanley... Uh, Stanley... Uh, 
my goodness. What's his name? Stanley Tucci? Tudyk. Not Stanley Tucci. Stanley. Uh, Stanley Tucci. talking about Avenger, the first Avenger, right? See, I was going to say Alan Tudyk. Avengers. Yeah, the first Avengers. Yeah. The first Avenger. No, um, so in addition to Stanley Tucci as Dr. Erkstein, we also have Chris Evans making his first appearance as Steve Rogers in this film. Uh, we have Haley Atwell appearing for the first time as Peggy Carter, who will also appear in subsequent Captain America movies, as well as starring in the first Marvel TV spinoff, I guess. Because um, we did have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but it kind of stood on its own. But we have her appearing as the same character with Agent Carter, uh, Peggy Carter. We get our first appearance of James Bucky Barnes, uh, Sebastian Stan. Hugo Weaving as the Red Skull. Dominic Cooper making his first appearance as Howard Stark. He will also later appear in other stuff and Agent Carter as well. Um, Tommy Lee Jones, for some reason. Maybe Marvel felt like they needed to have some sort of elder statesman actor in this movie. Well, if you're hiring Gruff, you get Tommy Lee Jones. That's it. I, I, I guess. I mean, but honestly, going back and rewatching it last night, um, that Colonel role could have been played by anybody because he's in maybe like three scenes in the whole movie and he's just yelling at people about how Steve Rogers is too small to be anything. He also has that great line exactly. where, I'm not going to kiss you. Um. You say that's a great line. I think the greatest line in this film is when the uh, secret Hydra agent who has infiltrated like the uh, Captain America's imbuing ceremony is trying to make his escape, and then he throws a kid into the water, and <laughs> Steve Rogers goes to jump in to save him, and the kid's just like, it's okay, uh, I can swim. <laughs> and then, like... <laughs> Steve goes to chase uh, the guy. I thought that was one of the funniest lines, too. I was going to bring it up because I was just like, oh, that's hilarious. I don't remember <laughs> that ever happening. Like, I don't remember that before, but I remember the kid getting thrown in and then Steve Rogers not saving him. But yeah, so it's just like, go get him. I can swim. Swish. It, but it's such a stupid moment because, like, yeah, like, the kid hasn't been shot or anything. Like, the higher agent just literally just throws him into the water and the kid's just in there, like, and trying to run, like, no, like, I'm wet now. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, uh, also appearing in this movie, un- I think uncredited, I don't know. Uh, we have Natalie Dormer from Game of Thrones. She plays Marjorie Tyrell as unnamed SSR agent who max on Captain America. <laughs> and then also Jenna Coleman, a.k.a. the Impossible Girl from Doctor Who, appearing as unnamed brunette that Sebastian Stan's Bucky is mecking on at the Stark Expo. Uh, we also get our first look at the Human Torch. Yes, aka Machine at the Man. Stark, at that uh, Stark Expo. And we were like, oh! Which... No, nobody kind of, really was, aw. It, it just made a bunch of listicles it, it, back then. It did, but as, that's part of what we enjoy about these movies as comic book fans. is like, we can go into this and get those little hints and nods to the comic books and maybe teases for the future. Like, yeah, we haven't had machine man appear in anything else, but 
you know, in the 28th episode of the Great Marvel Movie Retrospective, when we have Machine Man finally pop up in the Marvel's Next Wave Agents of Hate movie, we'd be like, wow, we got our first glimpse of him, you know, way back when. It's all really cool. And I think this movie, next to something else like Iron Man 2, which I know you guys hate, you put it on the bottom of your list, does a great job of setting up the future Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, We get Tony Stark's dad in this movie. We get our first Stark Expo, which we did see a later one, maybe like the third or fourth in uh, Iron Man 2, because he's... Stark's probably been throwing these together for a while. Well, I think the big thing is it's uh, him but, doing what his dad had done before in, in Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 is where he brought back what his dad used to do with those expos. Yeah, and we see uh, like the footage of his dad putting one together, but it's like in the 1960s. So if you think he did the first one in the 1940s, because that's where he unveils his flying car, which we see uh offshoot of again later in Marvel Agents of Shield, uh where Colson has his own flying car. Uh based off Stark Tech. I-, I think Captain America the First Avenger has done almost all, all, if not most of the heavy lifting for the Marvel Sitting Mad Universe. Uh, in this one we also have our first appearance of the Tesseract, which will later become one of the Infinity Stones. Uh, in a recent interview, Kevin Feige did announce that, yeah, when we were making this movie, we just, we referred to the Tesseract as the Cosmic Cube. And as a Marvel comic fan, like, when you come into this movie, you're like, oh yeah, Red Skull, he's he's chasing the Cosmic Cube. He's got that. This is giving him the power to build all those crazy Hydra weapons. I, I think this was a great repurposing of one of those Marvel Comics carryovers into the cinematic universe because now we know like that actually housed the space stone. But at the time that they made this movie, that, that wasn't a thing. It, it was just the cosmic cube because what else are you going to have the red skull holding onto as a weapon? Yeah. I felt it was very much like uh, how Harry Potter, we no longer called it the philosopher's stone. Mm-hmm. We were just calling it the sorcerer's stone. Like when it made the jump to movies. So, like, oh, we're calling it the Tesseract now. And my wife, you know, she loved uh, A Wrinkle in Time, the actual book series, uh, growing up. So she's like, oh, yeah, I know what a Tesseract is. And she's like, so she was in on board. And uh, But if you said Cosmic Cube, it's so generic yeah. that, you know, she would have missed out on and, it. So. As much as I love the fact that the Cosmic Cube came from the comic books, when you're trying to lend some sort of credence to your movies, Cosmic Cube just... It sounds overly comic booky. The Tesseract, though, that's <laughs> sexy. That's cool. You know, like, oh, it's that's the Tesseract. Einstein Rosenberg bridge. Yeah, exactly. It's not the Devil's Anus. It's, um, spoilers for whatever we talk about. Thor Ragnarok. Who's anus? Um, so, yeah, you know, it was the Cosmic Cube, but they called it the Tesseract, and throughout their production, it's like, oh no, like, okay, well. Let's make this have the space stone. And I think that just kind of shows how these movies have continued to grow and evolve through the making of them. Because at the time, that wasn't even a thought like, oh, well, we'll have this whole the space stone, which, you know, Thanos is going to want. 
because we're going to get to here. And well, the thing is, years. is when he does hold the Tesseract at the end of the movie, uh, Red Skull, above him, it is space. Like you see space, you know, over his head, and then he gets sucked up and out into it, and then the Tesseract falls back down to the the bottom of the ship. So, like seeing that now, go, I went, oh yeah, it's the space stone in there, like. That makes sense of why that looks like that and why that did that. Uh, also worth mentioning, too, the fact that the movie starts off with a flashback to 1940s uh, in a small Nordic village where the Red Skull, a.k.a. Hugo Weaving, is going to find the Tesseract. And it's hidden in a secret panel on Yggdrasil, a.k.a. the World Tree that we had seen previously in Thor. So it's just that building and melding of the Marvel universe. It comes through. And also at that time too, uh, we have Argus <laughs> yes. Finch uh, as, the, as the protector of our first infinity stone, as he rightfully should be. I, I feel bad. I don't know that dude's name because he's, he's in everything, he's in everything now. He's in everything now, but he's always just going to be Argus Filch or, uh, oh my gosh, Game of Thrones. I'm blanking out. Yeah, uh, the, the, uh, the. Doesn't matter. The phrase. Right? Yeah. Red Wedding. Uh, David Bradley is his name. That is not as good a name as Argus Filch. I'm Uh, sorry. Born in 1942. Uh. Wow, right when Captain America was coming out. Uh, but this is very much in origin story. We see Steve Rogers stepping up, being the good man that he's supposed to be, becoming an even better soldier. Uh, this, I kind of talked about this a little bit before we start recording. This kind of falls into the middle of the Marvel movies for me, because as a Captain America movie, it's not my favorite. But as a Steve Rogers movie, I, I place this on the top of the list because this really showcases what Chris Evans is able to do as just that regular guy who wants to be more and has just such a strong moral compass. Uh, I will I will say this about I feel- this is the worst of the Captain America movies. But this is still yes. more watchable to me than Iron Man 2 or Thor 2. So that makes the Captain America franchise the best franchise. Uh, even out of the Avengers, even out of the I, Avengers I, I, franchise, I would rather watch Captain America First Avenger over uh, Avengers 2. So it, it makes it the, the best... Oh, I can't! I can't make that best, call yet. Uh, it makes it the best I franchise, I think. Yet. Better than, better than. Oh, Guardians! So you don't have a you don't See, have a here, here's Guardians something to look movie, forward so, to, and we might never. Uh, who knows? Who knows? It right? Could go anywhere. But Paul, what were you going to say before? Oh, I was going to say uh, Age of Ultron is a really hard call right now, but I. I Captain America, just that every guy just wanting to do his part. Like, how don't you want to root for this guy? Like, he's he's that everyman character, and 
I didn't know going into this movie if I would like Chris Evans as Captain America because the only other time I've seen Chris Evans was in those two mediocre slash bad Fantastic Four movies. But also, like, he was one of the best parts of those movies because I I bought him oh, yeah. as Johnny Storm. Like it worked really well. Yeah, but he was cocky, cocksure, and this is the exact opposite of that character. Like he's not showing off; he just wants to do what he needs to do because he can. And that's who Captain America is. He's like, I have to do it because I can do it, and other people can't. So, just much like the dramatic reading where you just read, <laughs> Captain America is that inspiring character who doesn't need to be a Boy Scout, which we get in later movies. And I think that's what makes him even better. It makes him as an ascendant hero versus this hero that we get here who's goes against like one order, which is like, like the whole thing of him being like a puppet of the government. Like, no, you're here to raise bond money for us. And that whole sequence goes a little long now, now after like my third or fourth rewatching. Yeah. But when he decides to break into those hydro camps and just, you know, break up everything and start really doing what Captain America should be doing in the war. Ah, so much fun. Well, it's fun, but what bothers me now is going back and rewatching that is it's done as a montage. And I feel like they dedicated the same amount of time and resources to him and his howling commandos going through busting up Hydra bases as they did to him going around raising war bonds. And this movie does such a great job with Steve Rogers becoming Captain America that all of that stuff is fantastic. Like it's all so well done. And I think that's what I really responded to as this movie came out because I wasn't a Captain America fan, but it sold me on Steve Rogers and that's the most important part of this film. But then as soon as he becomes Captain America, you get the, the montage of him throwing his shield, blowing up tanks and I, I would have liked more of that, but if I had had more of that, I would have lost out on the uh, Chris Evans as the scrawny, 90-pound Steve Rogers that really sold me on him as a character. So this movie has such a fine line that it has to, to balance on that I don't know really where I would have had it lose its bounce on. I don't know if I want more Steve Rogers or if I want more Captain America. I think sense. it's fairly well balanced between the two. And uh, I think the my biggest complaints when this movie first came out, and you can go back, it's like episode like 90 or something where we reviewed this when this came out. We Didn't we go to Pizza Plant after it I came think out with Scott? Producer's gotten like we talked about the movie. Uh, I think while so. We were eating and dinner. then we did we did an episode on it, and I liked this movie the least out of out of you guys. I gave it I probably like a B minus, and you guys were giving it A's. When I when I watched this movie this time round, because this is probably I've probably seen it maybe two or three times. It was one of my least favorite movies. But watching it now, having seen Chris Evans as Captain America, it's almost like it's the it was a prequel that they just made, and you got to see the origins of the Captain America that you love in the current movies. 
and that's how it like felt to me. So I was like, yeah, no, this is great. This is, you know, you get the his origin and this, and it felt like this should have been the the third movie instead of the first movie. Uh, and I think that's mm-hmm. why I walked away from this movie really, really liking it uh, more than I ever have in the past. It was just I already knew this character, and now I'm getting a really well done prequel story to him and uh i i ended up liking it because of of knowing the captain america that we've seen in the the latest movies man uh, all i heard was (laughs) a lot more movies should be prequels so there you go studios well i just make it a prequel i think it does also bear to mention too that other stuff that kind of spun out of this movie is it ends with Captain America waking up post being frozen uh, to Sam Jackson, which I think would be the best way to come out of a cryogenic coma. Uh, but then we also had Toby Jones. He's one of those actors, as you know him from other things he's been in, as that guy, uh, appearing as Dr. Arnim Zola, who later appears again later in Civil War. No, not Civil War. I'm sorry. Uh, Winter Soldier as the room full of computers. Uh, but then Kevis Choi. He is one of the Howling Commandos. His actor, um, I'm sorry, uh, Jim Morita appears later as principal. the uh, principal of Peter Parker's school and has a framed photo of his character on his like filing cabinets, I believe it is, uh, because his grandfather was one of the Howling Commandos, which makes him one of the maybe I think like second actors to appear in the Marvel franchises as a different character. Because supposedly, I and I didn't catch this, but one of the women that gets Steve Rogers, aka Captain America's autographs, is the same actress that appears later in Guardians of the Galaxy as Star Lord's mom. But it's just an actor thing. It's not supposed to be her in the 40s because, you know, math and aging. I don't do math when I watch my superhero. You only do math after the movies come out so you can figure out which one made the most money. Exactly. Uh, And then sidebar before we talk more about the movie. Uh, We also did have a Stanley cameo in this movie as we want to do. Uh, Stanley appearing as an agent general at a medal ceremony for Steve Rogers, who doesn't show up. And then when the senator, who's supposed to be like presenting the medal, comes out, it's like, Stanley's like, I thought he'd be taller. <laughs> uh, yeah. Stanley. Always around. <laughs> always around. Always around. Um, but yeah, I, I think this movie does a great job of introducing... Steve to the Marvel Universe, but then setting up more of the Marvel Universe that we'll be seeing, you know, what, seven more years of at the point that this came out? Uh, yeah, well, eight, because we got to count Avengers 4. Yeah. <clears throat> and then who knows what happens after that. I, I think this is a great movie. I really enjoyed it. But now going back and watching it with everything else that I've had afterwards kind of bumps it down the list because like you said John 
we raved about this movie when it came out, but now I know what I can get from Captain America. And I kind of wish I had had more of the man out of time Captain America in this movie, but then if I did, that might have lessened the Captain America stuff that I got, but then the Captain America stuff I got, if I had gotten more of that, would have lessened the Steve Rogers stuff. I think this movie is the perfect balance of what it needed to be, but I'm going to want more from it because I know what I will be getting from it in the like eight years that followed it. I still think it's an enjoyable movie to go back and watch. Though, if I'm going to watch a Captain America movie, it's going to be Winter Soldier. It's going to be Winter Soldier. Yeah. So, but at the time, I still believe this is one of the better Marvel movies that came out. Like, in that list of, uh, what is it? Yeah, we're at four. So this is the fifth fifth one. So So, at the end, we always do our rankings of the movies that have come out before and where this one would place in it. But it's hard because so much of that gets weighted with the things that you've seen come after. I think at the time that this came out, this probably would have been maybe my number two or number three. But looking back at the ones that we've talked about and like I've had the past ten years to go back and rewatch on, it places it more in the middle. See, this would have been number four for me. Because I think just that that Hulk movie is just uh, it's just not good. Uh, I I mean spoilers, and it's going to be a lot for me to to think about over the next what fifteen episodes we do this for. Uh, I think Hulk's going to be consistently. <laughs> I, I don't think for me. I think that set the bar, and I don't think anything has come out that I would put below that. Uh, but I after yeah. this watching of it. I would probably put it at number two, very close to being my number one. I, I. Okay, so just to to go over the rankings, I, I'm sorry, I do this every episode. Uh, John, Paul, you guys have your same, the same lineups. You have Iron Man as your number one, Thor as your number two, Iron Man two as your number four, and then Incredible Hulk as your number five. And Chris, you. I have you, Iron Man two as number one then Iron Man, then Thor, then Incredible Hulk. So Thor is just... It's not bad. I mean, I've only placed it one spot under you guys, but even going back and rewatching it, knowing how much I enjoyed like Ragnarok and then Thor's appearances in like, the Avengers movie, that movie is just kind of hard to get through in points. Uh, not as hard as... Thor the Dark World. No! Which but might take the bottom it could spot be very close. from Incredible Hulk. It's it's going to be down there, but I don't know if it's down. You <laughs> might have to watch them back to back. Oh, don't do that to yourself. Uh, but John, where, I would where put it now put? on my list of what I how I I would grade these movies now. Uh, I would put it at my number two, very close to being number one. I think just the, the brightness of the the, the look of the story, and I think Robert Downey Jr. just, he really shines as Stark. I think I'm going to put still have that number one. So my number two is uh, First Avenger, and then Thor. Well, 
I kind of don't want to be the same as John constantly. That's okay. But I mean, that's the what, first to say no, that, that is what costs you your victories. And <laughs> yeah, but this isn't, you don't win, everything. you don't win with this, that Paul. Who, who votes to how, how we win? You know? So you can, you can match me here, just when you're doing a movie bracket, you shouldn't match me. Right. But, oh man. No, I, I do enjoy Captain America more, as a character overall now more than Iron Man. But Iron Man versus Captain America, Iron Man's just more fun to watch. Like that first Iron Man movie. There's great things about the first Captain America movie, but... Like this song, uh, The Star-Spangled Man with the Plan. Because yeah. in that middle section That's of the movie, fun. every time they play that, I'm like, this is such a great jaunty tune. Mm-hmm. I have to say that uh, it would go Iron Man, then Captain America, then Thor, then Iron Man 2, then Incredible Hulk. Okay. And Chris, uh, what, what are you thinking? For me, I will say Iron Man 2, then Iron Man as my number two, and then I have to put this above Thor. Makes sense. Uh, and then Incredible Hulk still... Wrapping it up at the bottom. Uh, if I have to watch a Marvel origin film, it probably wouldn't be Captain America or Thor or Hulk. Iron Man's probably going to be my go-to until... Hmm. I don't know. I really do enjoy watching Ant-Man. Because I watched the first one again, maybe within the last month. Um, but no, I, I think Cap's a great addition to the Marvel Universe does a lot for it. But, man, the, the Captain America movies we get after this one are some of the best. Yeah. They are I would. so good. And not just because of Robert Downey Jr. Or, uh, not just because of Robert Redford. No, well, no, nothing's ever because of Robert Redford unless you're talking about why you don't like a movie. Or, uh, to- oh, I was just going to say he's retiring? I just forgot about that. I read it and I was like, oh, Paul's going to be the only person that cares about this. I thought he was already retired and he came out of retirement. No, nobody was asking him movies. to do anything. Like, he does have a new movie coming out that looks oh, pretty okay. good. It's called like the it's called like the Old Gunman or Is the Old a... Shoe. Something like that. <laughs> Just about his face. The Leather Mitt. The Old Shoe. <laughs> His face looks like a leather mitt. But man, like, I'll, I, I forgot to say it before, but Captain America, the first Avenger, this is where we get Hydra, which is going to be a big re- reoccurring thing in the Marvel movies. Crazy. And I feel like I should have paid more attention to that senator that's like the Hydra agent that infiltrates the... Gary Shanning? No, um, not Gary Shanning, but the one that's actually in Captain America that sets off the bomb after Captain America gets his powers and then shoots Stanley Tucci. Oh, I feel like that guy mm-hmm. should have so much more to do in the movies that maybe I just didn't recognize who he was or like references to him. Like, because at one point he introduces himself as someone in the movie, and I'm like, retrospect now, like. 
should I know who that is? But I don't remember the name. I can't. Uh, I do wanted to say that Stanley Tucci took this role because he's like, I've never done a German accent in a movie before. <laughs> great, great reason for it. Um, no, I, we didn't really talk about, it, but I, I think Stanley Tucci does a great job in this role because he he believes in Steve Rogers and. I believe that Stanley Tucci portrays a character that believes in Steve Rogers. He does such a great job of it. I don't see him on screen as Stanley Tucci. Like everything else with, uh, not, not necessarily everything else, but, uh, what's his name? Oh my gosh. The Colonel Tommy Lee Jones, Tom Hanks. not Tom Hanks, <sighs> Tommy Lee Jones, that Tom, uh, as soon as I see him, I'm like, Oh, it's Tommy, Lee Ju- uh, Tommy Lee Jones being Tommy Lee Jones in a movie again mm-hmm. like he's always just the same the same guy whether he's Two-Face or the agent from Men in Black like he's just the older guy that's yelling at you I didn't kill my wife I don't care I don't care Stanley Tucci I want to go have some of that German schnapps with him like I want to sit down in a bar and like have him tell me stories about where he came from and you want some of that too like, yeah I get that Tucci He's a great character actor. I always enjoy seeing Stanley Tucci in anything. One of the better parts of the uh, Transformer movies. That that was the no wait no no he was in the one. That, yeah, you're thinking of um, uh, yeah uh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, Jesus, what's his name. his name? He was though. He was in that first the the one he's with in, um, yeah. uh, Marky Mark, and he's awful in it. The whole movie's awful. Uh, was it? Age of Extinction. Uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, but he was... he was, bro, you're, bro, you're riding around in a dinosaur cop? That's crazy. That's pretty good. That's my, that's my it's got, I didn't see that movie. It's got to be I'm a little more breathy. Like, you gotta, like, it's a lot of work <laughs> to talk. Yo, bro. Uh, uh, and bros, what, what I'm excited for will be the next part of the Marvel movie, movie retrospective, which is part six, mm. Marvel's The Avengers. That's a that's a big one. That's a a Keystone Marvel movie. And I think mm-hmm. the biggest Marvel movie besides Iron Man. Like that's the one that's like, whoa, you guys. I think this is where our list whoa. starts to really diverge. I'm, I'm interested to see where that goes. Whoa, it. I haven't considered where I'm putting Avengers on this list, but it's gonna be. It's gonna be yeah, yeah weird. weird. Uh, but if you enjoy listening to our show, even though it's been coming out a little less uh, regular than usual, find us. <laughs> we have lives. There are lots of things going on. Uh, find us over uh, on iTunes. Rate and review us there. It helps other people find our show. Find us and like us on Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, go over to our website where we got some great show notes being put up by Chris. Uh, spoilers, I haven't put up, like, the last Yeah, I know, but you still, you still take, well, you, you didn't still know take when they all hit, the notes so. down. You're still doing half the work. I do. I do half the work. They're, they're all there. They're all ready to go. I just have to put in the, uh, yeah. the image. And I, I forget to edit these for a, uh, a good two weeks and then put them up, uh, very late, so. <laughs> they're setting out an episode that we recorded a while ago that. Yeah, I figured Still we could put that been posted. Yeah, I figured we put it up whenever. Yeah. But uh 
If I can't remember to put our, a regular episode up, how am I going to remember to put a not episode up? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, and man, if you uh, ate a bad burger, uh, leave, leave, leave a comment on the Facebook post for this episode. If we Hashtag even post John's Bad anymore. Burger. I, don't know. I haven't. 